This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. How's it going, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of the Arm Scholar Podcast. First and foremost, I want to thank everybody for supporting the podcast. The response has been absolutely amazing. On the audio side, we've already reached, I believe, like, top 75 of all political podcasts, which is amazing. So thank you guys so much for all of your support. And also just remember that I'm going to be releasing podcasts at least every Sunday here on the channel at 5 p.m. Now in this podcast, we're going to be responding to some statements that have been made by Matthew McConaughey. He's advocating for gun control, but he's calling it gun responsibility. He's been on a media press tour right now and essentially trying to help implement the Bipartisan Safers Community Act, which is one of the biggest uh, gun control bills that's been passed at a federal level in a while. And that was all in response to the incidents in Uvalde. He's stepping into this whole discussion by trying to be, I guess, a middle person for schools to get the grants that the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act has made available when it was passed. Again, the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act was one of the biggest pieces of gun control legislation that's been passed in a really long time. And I think it offered like, over a billion dollars worth of federal funding to go towards various types of things, uh, various types of gun control programs, and then also school initiatives. And I guess that's what Matthew McConaughey is wanting to step in with his nonprofit. Now, again, like I mentioned, he's been going on media tours talking about the gun control topic. And so we're going to respond to that as well, because this is all being tied together. And then also I'm going to tell you maybe some other things that are going on here that they are not being entirely truthful about. Here's the interview that he did with ABC News, and this is all revolving around the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. So all of a sudden, we were down there, and then Camilla um, got really close and ingrained with quite a few of the, the families and the mothers in particular. And when we left there, the, the consensus was, can you help make their, their lives matter? Yeah. So that led to us ending up in, in, in D.C., and, uh, um, and then the president asked me if I would speak. Uh, at a press conference there, and um, I sure as hell I'm going to say no to that. That was over a year ago. Yes. I remember what you said. You said that there's a window to get something done. Right. And something was done, you know, with a bipartisan bill. Oh, 32 passed. days later. Yep. But now we're over a year past yep. that, and you're trying to make sure that that's actually working. Right. What, what I'm trying to do, my wife and I have started this Green Lights Grant initiative to, it's a follow through. All right? yeah. The first bill was passed to safe in schools in 30 years. Yeah. That's the Bipartisan Safe Communities Act. Yeah. It's got uh, all these grants that can help secure schools physically. It's also for mental health counseling for the, for the kids in these schools. It, it's the first time it's happened. Yeah. Bipartisan, it's come together, it's there. And it's already working in some ways, but there's billions of dollars that are still left to be spent. I mean, it's, it's follow through you don't often see. So this passed over a year ago. Yes. So again, this is where we're going to get into the Bipartisan Safers Communities Act, which we've talked about at length here on the channel. You can go watch any of my other videos where I break this down in the lead up to it passing and then after it passing. But you always, it's always interesting. Like they are praising the Bipartisan Safers Communities Act as something that's absolutely amazing. Oh, it's so great. 
Um, it's one of the first ones in years that's been passed, you know, with both sides, but really it wasn't both sides. You just had a couple of rhino, you know, right-leaning individuals who flipped against, you know, our fundamental rights and then helped to pass this Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. Um, and then ultimately what this did, like they're mentioning, led to billions of dollars worth of taxpayer money that is now going to go to these vague federal grants uh, to potentially help schools. We, you know, we don't know if that's really going to happen. What we see often happen with a lot of these programs, especially like at a state level in California, California does this all the time where they have grants in place for additional research for gun violence is what they say and, and things like that. And ultimately what that leads to is all this money, state level money, federal level money, just getting into the pockets of gun control advocacy groups um, like Giffords, Everytown and other organizations. So it's always interesting that these things are praised as amazing. They have all this money, but really it just always ends up going towards gun control advocacy groups, like I mentioned. And it's always interesting because they just talk about the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act as it's just federal funding. It's just all this funding. Um, and like it didn't do anything else. Now, again, like I mentioned, we've covered the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act more in detail, but some of those things, of course, you know, conveniently, they're not mentioning here that the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act did. Is it expanded certain restrictions on individuals 18 to 21 from being able to do certain things? It opened up juvenile records as you know, potentially being able to be used to prohibit certain individuals 18 to 21 from accessing farms or being able This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. ...to purchase or possess firearms. Um, it then did other things as well, but one of the main things, the more concerning things, is it incentivized through federal funding, like they're mentioning here, for more states to implement red flag laws. Um, you know, the federal government is holding out this huge carrot to get more states to essentially infringe on your ability to keep and bear arms. And I, I highly recommend that, you know, if you guys want to learn more about red flag laws, go watch one of the recent videos that uh, T-Rex Arms put out. Um, Isaac over there, T-Rex Arms, did a video on red flag laws. I got to collaborate a little bit with them in making that video and give some of my insight and, you know, help them a little bit with some of their talking points. So I highly recommend you go watch that so you can understand, you know, all the intricacies of red flag laws and the uh, potential issues with those. So, you know, it helped to potentially expand red flag laws across the entire U.S. And then it also did something where they claimed that it's closing these so-called boyfriend loophole. The boyfriend loophole is something we've heard about quite often. And this is probably one of the more nefarious things that the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act did. And again, this is not tied at all to anything that happened in Uvalde. You know, a domestic violence restraining order was not at issue at all in Uvalde, but they threw this in there because, again, this was a comprehensive attempt to implement gun control, utilizing one of those incidents to pass more legislation. Now, what this did is it expanded the potential partners that could then try to get a restraining order against you. There was some interesting language in the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act where it expanded the definition of what an intimate partner or an intimate relationship would be or would qualify. And it led to really 
potentially a lot of questions where maybe even someone where, you know, casual acquaintance, maybe you go on one date with this person, they could potentially qualify as an intimate partner and then, you know, try to get a domestic violence restraining order against you really without any basis quite often with these restraining orders. Um, so, it, you know, there was a lot of things wrong with the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act and to present it as something where it's just simply providing this awesome federal money, billions of dollars, you know, to try to help our schools really isn't giving the full picture. But of course, they don't want to give the full picture. They want to paint this as something as amazing, as completely rosy, as not gun control. It's just simply gun responsibility, which they're going to get into here in a little bit. And billions of dollars for school safety. Great. That's awesome. And then you find out, you come along now, a year later, and the money hasn't gone out yet. Well, Most of it hasn't. Look, let me give you some numbers here. Congressman Gonzalez comes to me um, about three months after Uvalde and says, Matthew, Camilla, uh, 119 schools, 112 applications, zero awards. What, what, what are we doing? The math, the, the, that math does not happen. That's a zero success rate. One, way too few, few applications. Number two, the 12 applications, we went 0 for 12? Yeah. In the districts right there where Uvalde just happened? So that's when we started, Camilla and I started researching the country and going, is this, I doubt this is just a problem down in South Texas. We know it's just a problem all over, all over America. You've got 14,000 something schools. This grant initiative, the Green Lights grant initiative is going to connect those districts to those billions of dollars. That's there yeah. available and wants to be uh, used to, I mean, to, it, to make your kids safe. It suggests there's something wrong with the system if, if you pass And they admit it, it though. Yeah. The government admits yeah. that it shouldn't be this, this complicated. You said something else uh, at the White House. You said that the middle ground is where most Americans are. Now, before they get into, net, you know, right here after this, is they're going to get into more of the generalized gun control discussion. But before they do, I want to point something out. And I'm not stating that this is true. Um, this is just my view into the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, because again, this whole initiative, you know, the green light initiative that Matthew McConaughey is doing, this whole press tour around this is all centered around his nonprofit, the initiative that they're doing and how it's going to connect with the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act and help these schools apply and try to get the federal funding. Digging into, and I, I found it very curious that they were so focused on the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, which in some ways I understand because it's directly tied to the incident that happened in Uvalde and was passed in direct response to that and some other incidents. But I did a little bit more digging and it's interesting, you know, some of the language that you heard him say in the promo where, you know, it's going to be fully funded, 100% free for these schools. Primarily, it's going to help with grant writing and helping these schools um, essentially write their proposals. And, you know, this is getting a little bit into the weeds about how some of these federal grants work. But, you know, writing the proposals, writing the applications to apply for these federal grants to potentially get this billion dollars that's provided by the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act and get them, you know, to their schools so they can implement it, you know, for mental health or whatever else they're going to try to do under these federal grants. But when you look into the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, and I'm going to pull up the text right here, and I did some digging and I'm, again, I'm not saying that this is absolutely what this nonprofit is doing, but it is something that's happened quite often with a lot of these other, you know, nonprofits and these other organizations that, you know, have dealt with state level funding or other federal funding is there is an incentive often for these nonprofits to get engaged in these things. Like, again, when you have about a billion dollars hanging out there from the federal government, and you do a little bit of digging, there may be some other things that go on. So here specifically in the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, it talks about technical assistance. 
and it states that the secretary may provide or continue to provide technical assistance to recipients of awards under subsection A. And, and here's something that's interesting too, it talks about contracts. It says award a grant or contract to an eligible public or non-private private entity as determined by assistance pursuant to this subsection and 10 in subsection H as to redesignate by striking $9 million for the period of the physical years of 2018 through 2022 and inserting $31 million for each of the fiscal years 2023 through 2027. Now, what does that mean? It means that through the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, there was a change in some federal language. And through the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, there is about $31 million that's hanging out there where potentially qualifying nonprofits or public organizations that provide technical assistance under the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, they can have potential access to that $31 million. Now, I'm not saying that's what's happening here, but it's always interesting when you sometimes follow money or you know things that are going on. Again, not saying that's what's happening here, but under the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, there is money out there for nonprofits and public organizations to help implement what is essentially federal gun control. Sometimes you hear conversations about people, you know, talking about they're doing things out of the goodness of their heart. You know, nonprofits are doing this out of the goodness of their heart. But also keep in mind, a nonprofit is just simply a tax designation. It doesn't mean that a nonprofit doesn't make money. You know, money's you know, oftentimes nonprofits make quite a bit of money. I think once I heard that maybe even the NFL at some point was a nonprofit and you wouldn't think of the NFL as a nonprofit or some of these other big companies that make millions and billions of dollars are technically nonprofits. So get that out of your head thinking that just because something is designated as a nonprofit and is helping, you know, do grant writing and is, you know, is doing potentially good things that they're not going to make money, especially when the federal government is involved, especially when a billion dollars worth of federal funding is involved, when something like the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act is available. And again, you can see by the very language in the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act that those type of public organizations or nonprofits that are providing technical assistance potentially could have access to up to $31 million that's hanging out there by the federal government that again is trying to incentivize nonprofits and other organizations and other people to get involved and help them implement this gun control piece of legislation that was passed. Yeah. On this issue, the guns yes. issue. I think you're right, but I've also been following the gun issue for years after tragedy after tragedy yeah. and nothing gets done. No. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. On the gun side of it. So as part of the issue, the way the, the way it's framed, because it does freak out a lot of people that consider themselves strong Second Amendment. Sure. They think any, any measure is a measure towards confiscating sure. all guns. So how do you speak to those people? I think that's kind of what you were doing. Uh, well, one of the things, it was, it was a, just one word yeah. I went in there and flipped, seemed to get those hard Second Amendment yeah. uh, uh, defenders' ears to at least listen. Yeah. And that was I changed the word from control 
to responsibility. Right, the hate gun control. Well, control sounds like a mandate. Right. And nobody wants the mandate. No one wants to be controlled. But responsibility is still something that we can all go, yeah, I'll take responsibility. And a lot of the, 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 the far right or the Republicans, they almost feel like responsibility is a value that they have ownership of. And it's a sense of a sense of almost pride and honor to be responsible. So when it, when the narrative got changed and the questions and started calling it gun responsibility, a lot more conversations I even noticed in the few days that we were there were able to be had from both sides because the Second Amendment defenders could talk responsibility. They could look you in the eye and talk responsibility with someone from the other side of the aisle. I mean, some of the issues. That- so, like I mentioned, there is what I was talking about where they're going to try to potentially flip you know, the new or change the term gun control and now make it simply as gun responsibility, essentially trying to make you take this bitter medicine with some sort of sugar. They think by just simply changing the term from gun control to gun responsibility that magically we will forget what they're trying to do. It's still gun control. It's still, you know, the things that he's saying that we're concerned about, you know, the control aspect of it, the the federal government overreach, the state overreach, the government overreach, the restrictions on our fundamental right to keep and bear arms, which shall not be infringed, you know, it's still doing that. By simply changing the name doesn't change the fact of what you're really doing. It just makes it seem like you think we are dumb and don't understand by you flipping the the name that, uh, you know, it doesn't change anything. You think that you can just deceive us. So, I find it really interesting, you know, that he's putting this forward and we see this happen all the time, you know, from the anti-gun agenda side, um, you know, where they think that changing some terms or using certain political buzzwords will make certain people react certain way ways. You know, they do that quite often with so-called ghost guns. You know, they throw out terms like ghost guns and you, we all know that there is no actual legal definition of what a ghost gun is. Oftentimes, they're just simply talking about unserialized frames or receivers. And even under that umbrella, you know, there, it encompasses so many different things. You can be talking about 3D printed firearms. You can be talking about things like 80 percenters or polymer 80s. You can be talking about, you know, simple handguns or firearms that have their serial numbers that were originally on there scratched out. You know, so they think by throwing out these certain terms that they're deceiving people but don't be fooled. Gun responsibility may be something you see pop up quite often now, but it's just simply being used as a placeholder for gun control, which gun responsibility implemented the same way as gun control is still absolutely gun control. That you specifically have talked about. Universal background checks, raising the age for purchasing of, of assault rifles, national red flag laws, mm-hmm. a, long, a waiting period, a longer waiting period uh, for assault weapons. Yeah. These are positions that have widespread so a list of things mcconaughey potentially is advocating for and i'm sure he's going to go on right now to advocate for those does that sound like gun responsibility or does that just sound like more gun control to me it just sounds like more gun control so you can call whatever you want it's still gun control you're talking about federal waiting periods you know we have a waiting period in california the 10-day waiting period have we seen the statistics show that the waiting period has done anything to reduce crimes no the state of california has some of the highest crime rates out of any state. Red flag laws, California has red flag laws. Have we seen it reduce crimes in California? No, we haven't. We have, I guess, a version of what they believe would be universal background checks, which again is disingenuous because a lot of times people on this side use universal background checks trying to make the claim that background checks aren't available. And as many of you guys know, 
Background checks are required whenever you walk into an FFL gun store and want to purchase a firearm. That's a, that's required nationwide. Usually what they're talking about when they're talking about universal background checks would be private party transactions. Um, there they would want to require that you go through an FFL and have to do that transaction through an FFL and, and run the federal you know background checks. Again, California has a version of that. Have we seen it reduce crime? No, we haven't. So again, don't be fooled. All the things they're about to advocate for, they're going to say most of Americans want this stuff. No, most Americans do not want this. Most gun owners do not want this. That's why things like this have been avidly and rabidly opposed by gun owners like me and you. And even in the state of California are fervently opposed by gun owners in California because we live under all these regimes all these restrictions, and we know that they do absolutely nothing to actually stop criminals, to actually stop crimes. All it does is impact law-abiding individuals and our ability and our right to keep and bear arms. But approval yeah. among the American public. 87 percent, right? I mean, if you look, there's a Fox News poll just earlier this year. Universal background checks, 87 yeah. percent. Uh, allowing police to take away guns from uh, people who have been shown to be a threat, 80%. Mm. Raising the minimum wage, 81%. Waiting period, 70 I mean, it's very rare you see any political issues with that much agreement, and yet none of those things have been done. It's an it's, it's a interesting stat about the populace, uh, almost near unanimous. I mean, the populace vote is there, and how do the sides and the contingencies have, they're bunkered into their their their... their their sides on this. And I don't know how the law works, but that was a question I had. Wait, can there be a populist vote on this, an uprising that says, look, you're not representing the, the, the masses. The law is not representing the masses. Um, that math, you may know more about this than I do, that math should add up. And right now it doesn't. Do you have advice to particularly Democrats on this? So two things there. First, they're talking about this Fox News polls, how 80 something percent of people, you know, are advocating for universal background checks and all these other things. You guys know, but just look into how those polls are done. They often just pull, you know, a certain number, usually a very low number of people, you know, thousand to two thousands of people that they call on the phone that they potentially get to answer. They ask them a quick question and those people say yes or no, or whatever. It doesn't really indicate, you know, by any means a national consensus like they are trying to say. Usually these polls are skewed in very interesting ways and they actually aren't pulling a large sum of people like they are trying to represent you know do you think a thousand people that maybe are contacted just in one specific state or in you know maybe a specific subset of states or certain people who are only answered during those time periods of those days that they're calling who maybe don't work or whatever do you think they actually represent the entirety of the US and the entirety of gun owners i would say no they don't so again those Polls are always, I hate when they throw those out there because you can really find statistics and polls to represent any side, especially nowadays, the way that those are done. But the other thing that's interesting is, again, very cleverly, McConaughey is advocating for a populist vote, which again goes directly against what our founding fathers believed in. We have our government put in place a certain way, how we vote how you know presidential voting happens, how our house is structured, how the Senate is structured, how our just general Congress is structured, how our judiciary and executive branch and all that is structured is in a very specific constitutional way. Here, what McConaughey is advocating for is, hey, you know, I think 81% of people who took this random poll 
indicate that, yes, we believe in all these things. So because of that, we should just say, you know, we should be able to bypass those traditional democracy structures that we have in place that have been put in place and have served us well over our history. We should just be able to bypass those things because I want or I think that we should do this or the people that I'm around believe that we should do this. So again, I just it's always interesting when you really dig into what they're truly saying, what they're really advocating for goes against some of our fundamental principles that we have here in the US. And they're trying to represent it as something that, you know, most Americans would believe in. But really when you peel the onion a little bit and you see really what they're doing. The minute they speak about gun control, yes. I mean, you, see, you mentioned one thing, get rid of the word gun control. Right. But even without that, do you, yeah. do you have any advice on how they can speak? Quit patronizing. There's a, there's a whole lot of Americans that need you to at least meet them where they are and what they're understanding and then what, how they've grown up on this issue with guns in, the, in, in their lives and, and how they, most of them do handle them responsibly. Mm -hmm. So don't cast them down as being archaic or cavemen and women and how could you? No, yeah. listen to them for a minute. And when you're coming in hot, which sometimes the left does, on this issue and many others. Sometimes, well, yeah. Okay? Yeah. And is immediately saying, you idiot, you dumb ass, yeah. what? How foolish, you've lost them. You've lost them. Get, they get more defensive, all right? So come in and meet them where, meet them where they are and try to hear where they're coming from first and, and understand that it's, it's, they have a viable stance, a viable position they're taking that they didn't just come up with last night. I've heard you say that we're not as deeply divided as we're told we are. No. So I would agree with that in most regard. I think a lot of times the discussion around gun control is very emotional. Like I mentioned, it's very contentious. People feel very specific ways on both sides. And I would agree with that. A lot of times when we have the gun control discussion, it's, it's very heated, you know, and I think a lot of times on our side, we are very defensive because we've had to be on the defense for so long uh, because we just constantly have more federal laws, more state laws, more restrictions, more rules by the ATF, et cetera, put on us by, especially put on us law-abiding people. Oftentimes we're the ones feeling the brunt for criminal activity. And we know that all these laws, all these restrictions have done absolutely nothing to stop actual criminals because you're never going to cure the human condition. No matter what, there are going to be bad people that do bad things. You're not going to cure that by passing a ton of laws. We have more gun control laws now than we've ever had. And are we seeing a decrease in crime? No, we are not. So, uh, you know, I agree with him that we need to have compassion. We need to come to this discussion in good faith on both sides in good faith and have an actual discussion about this fundamental rights, you know, government overreach restriction, um, potential solutions, you know, potential help for mental health, things like that, actual criminal prosecution and punishment for individuals that do these things or people um, who engage in these conducts actually, you know, punishing those individuals. I think our criminal justice system right now is causing a lot of issues. Some of our politics and policies in certain states and areas, I think it's causing a lot of these issues as well. Look at the percentages yeah. we just talked about, 86%. Yeah. No, but the two on the, I was talking with my wife about this yesterday. It's human nature. You don't slow to, you know, you don't slow down to 35 miles an hour on the interstate because everyone's looking at the daisies in the rainbow in the, in the, in the field yeah. to the right. No, you slow down to 35 
on the interstate going northbound because everyone's slowing down to look at the car wreck on the southbound <laughs> traffic on the other side. Right. We love the wreck. Yeah. We love it's it's it's, it's yeah. entertainment. We love we don't put our finger on we don't love to watch health as much as we like to watch disease. These two extremes have the microphone. Yeah. It's more entertaining. Trump's been great at selling fear. Yeah. Fear sells more than hope. So that's the interview that he did with ABC News. Now he's gone on a bunch of other news outlets, like Good Morning America, and he's done a bunch of other things that I've seen pop around. And you know he's really in the news right now because he's pushing for this new green light initiative that he's doing. Um, there you heard him mention again, you know, we're not doing the job for government. We're just helping them implement the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. I would say also, like I mentioned, look into some of the language about the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, maybe why that is, why they're helping. Not sure again. Can't say that that's absolutely true. They say that, you know, it's fully funded. It's free for these schools to, you know, use their initiative. How that's being done, I don't know. But looking at the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, I can maybe make a guess about how that's happening or maybe what's maybe some of the incentives would be for nonprofits or some of these organizations, you know, stepping in to try to, you know, serve as that conduit between the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act and those schools. Again, just some of the reaction to the gun control or the gun responsibility discussion that Matthew McConaughey is currently putting forward. It seems like he's one of those new mouthpieces for the gun control side because he's an actor. He, he speaks well. A lot of people like him. A lot of people like his movies. You know, a lot of people like his commercials, you know, all that stuff. He's a well-liked individual. He's Hollywood, all that stuff. So you know, the Biden administration brought him out after Uvalde when he spoke on this topic. So it's always interesting when someone like this pops up all of a sudden is now hailed as kind of the new wave of gun control and has the new claimed middle of the ground approach, you know, and solutions and all that stuff. Just some of my responses. Again, I don't think that the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act is this awesome piece of legislation like they claim where it's just simply providing federal funding and it's not doing anything else and it's not harming your right to keep and bear arms and it's not harming individuals. Like I said, the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act does a ton of other things. There's a ton of other things involved in it. It's pushing for red flag laws. It's pushing for the expansion of domestic violence restraining orders by expanding some of those definitions and, and does a lot of other things as well, specifically targets 18 to 20 year olds. Just my responses to Matthew McConaughey. Let me know guys down below in the comment section what your thoughts are about this. What are your thoughts about this new term gun responsibility in the place of gun control? What do you think this really is? Do you think gun responsibility means what he th he's saying it means or is it just simply gun control packaged in a new way? Uh, let me know what you guys think about this podcast. And also, if you're listening to this on the audio side, either on Spotify or Apple podcast, make sure you leave reviews, five-star reviews, or leave actual text reviews because that helps the algorithm over there. And also it's helping us to grow the audio side. Like I said, we are already ranking in the political side of, you know, Apple podcasts, which is absolutely amazing. Only after three or four releases of this podcast here on the main channel, we've gotten quite a bit of traction. So thank you guys so much for all of your support. And again, if you're listening to this on YouTube, or you're watching this on YouTube and you'd be interested in the audio side of things, you can get that over using the links down below. So again, thank you guys so much for all of your support. But as always, don't forget to like and subscribe and never forget this nation was built by armed scholars and this nation will be maintained by armed scholars.